0: Live, presented by Collider Health.
1: Alright, welcome to a Wednesday edition of One Bills Live. Players out on the field installing the game plan for their Week 5 opponent, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we have a bunch of things going on. There's
0: a lot going on. Chiefly
1: in the wide receiver world, as uh, that world continues to spin for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, first off there are new additions to the injury report (sighs) Jordan Poyer who was on the injury report last week with a foot ailment played in the game as we know he got checked out after the game went into the x-ray room presumably x-rays were negative but now he is not practicing today because of a rib injury so there's that also not practicing today and still in the concussion protocol is Isaiah McKenzie. He was supposed to practice on a limited basis, according to Coach McDermott, but we saw him out there on the practice field, and he is in a sweatpants and a T-shirt. So, during the media viewing portion of practice, he was not participating. So we'll have to see where that goes. Um, and then news came down shortly before we came on the air. Um, our friend Sal Capaccio, as well as Mike Garofolo from NFL Network, was reporting that um, Tavon Austin and the Bills have mutually agreed to part ways. So that happened, and the team has not made this official yet, but Mike Garofolo is reporting the former Wake Forest wide receiver Jaquari Roberson is expected to take Tavon Austin's spot on the Bills' practice squad. Roberson was with the Cowboys through the course of the summer and in training camp. He was an undrafted rookie free agent. So that will be interesting. Um, I can say there was (laughs) – we saw a new receiver out on the practice field today, and on the back of his jersey it said Roberson, so I think that's going to happen. Um, So we'll just wait on that. Now here's the interesting thing, Steve. Jamison Crowder has not yet been put – on injured reserve, officially. Right. So, Coach indicated on Monday when he spoke to the media that that would take place in due time, when remains to be seen. And it has me interested for this reason. You have McKenzie still in the concussion protocol. He's not practicing yet. We saw this happen with Ryan Bates last week as well. He was practicing by Thursday, and then by Saturday, he was out of the concussion protocol because Friday's injury designation, he wasn't even – he didn't have a designation. He was good to go. So he was out of the protocol by Friday, actually. Played on Sunday. Played mm-hmm. the whole game. Um, every case is different. We don't know how it's going to play out with McKenzie going through the protocol. But if for some reason – we know Crowder's not playing this week. He's not going to play for a long time. He's got a broken right. ankle. Um. And Kumaro has a high ankle sprain, not practicing today. There's a good chance he's not ready this week. So that that leaves you with Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs, um, Khalil Shakir, and then maybe Isaiah McKenzie. Do you think the reason they're waiting to put Crowder on IR is to see if they can get somebody. Out there right now, because I saw the Arizona Cardinals released Andy Isabella yesterday. Now, he is primarily a slot receiver. They seem to have plenty of those. And there were a couple other wide receivers released yesterday, I want to say, by the Cowboys. i got to go take a look at the transaction the, page.
0: Here's what, Yeah, I mean, the guy's not going to play this week. Whoever it is, and even they, but they may be doing it because it may take a roster spot to get one of those guys. Like for instance, they're not going to offer them to come in on the practice squad. Those guys will be like, "No, I'm going to go someplace and play." Yeah. That's why Crowder uh, is they're waiting. Um, I would think more likely, like for this week, if they're if they're going to go, I don't think they'll go shy wideouts. So they may elevate a guy like. Isaiah Hodgins, yeah, um, or Gentry, or one of the other guys, it's probably Hodgins right? now, right, I exactly, it would be
1: Hodgins or Austin, but Austin decided to leave
0: right, but the reason they may use a roster spot on a guy we don't know is because they may feel he is really a quality player and deserves to be on the active roster, but he's not he can't play and for the team, because he didn't know the words, um uh, so. They'll, but to entice him to sign, they will have to give him a full roster spot. Otherwise, he's not coming on the practice squad. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that may have something to do with it. But for this week and the here and now, it's one of the guys here on the roster or, so, on, the, or on the practice squad. Yeah.
1: So here is your full rundown. Not practicing today: Christian Benford, Jay Kummerow, Jamison Crowder, Jordan Poyer, Tremaine Edmonds with the hamstring injury and Dawson Knox. Von Miller, Roger Saffold, and Daquan Jones are getting a veteran rest day. And then as we we anticipated, Tredavious White also not practicing today. This is the first week he would have been eligible to do so, being on reserve PUP, but that's where he stays right now. Not practicing as of yet. Jordan Phillips and Ed Oliver to be limited in practice today. Bill's practice updates are presented by LECOM, your Lake Erie College of Osteopathic medicine good news is jordan poyer was named afc defensive player of the week after his two interception performance against the ravens both of which were critical in the comeback victory he also had six tackles and three pass breakups not a bad day first bill since uh, henry jones with four interceptions in his first three games of a season going all the way back to 92 for that one steve 30 right. years ago it's been she, a minute
0: yeah um who employers out with, with sore ribs, he said. Ribs, and I would bet and it Tremaine happened Edmonds. on that last play when he made the interception. Yeah, and Tremaine Edmonds is out with a sore hamstring. Because Duvernay gave him a shot. Right.
1: Um, elbow to the ribs there, and you really don't have a whole lot of protection as a defensive player. Quarterbacks wear, you know, the flak jackets and the rib protectors, but yeah, defensive, defensive players rarely, rarely yeah, wear those. Do that. Uh, they feel it almost inhibits them more than anything else. So we'll see what comes of it. Um, And the injury report will be out later this afternoon with a full list. So there's that. And I don't know if you saw this, Steve. Oh, no, I, I know I told you about this. So two weeks after signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Cole Beasley, former Bills receiver, has decided to retire effective immediately today. And apparently wants to be a full-time dad and spend more time with his family. I can never fault anybody for that.
0: Um, uh, I but guess some that's things have changed in two weeks. Well,
1: yeah, two weeks. Like, I don't know. It's it's peculiar yeah, to me. It, it, I think in terms of the timing. Like, they, you stayed in shape all this time. You sign with the Bucks in Week Three, and then you're not even to Week Five, and you say, "Yeah, I'm good."
0: I think they were going to part ways with him, anyways. Their receiver room started to get healthier, which was the reason he stepped onto the team anyway. Okay. And then it got to a point where they were going to say, you know what, we're thanks anyway. And he's like, you know what, I'm done. I'm retired. Um, okay. Make it that, sound better. Yeah. Better optics. Right. So. There you have it. Still, I mean, he was a, he was a good build. Played. He did very well. He played and contributed to a lot of good things for the Buffalo Bills and um, nice career. For Cole Beasley, good for him.
1: So Beasley goes back to retirement, and I don't know. It is, I mean, I don't. I don't expect him to resurface. Uh, I guess unless some other team has a giant rash of injuries, I know people might be saying Riley well, retired. Can he? I think once you, he would have to file retirement papers. Uh, it would be interesting to see how the paperwork goes with that. Because the Bucks would technically have rights to him if he decided to come back and play. Like, he can't just retire from one team and then go sign with another kind of deal. Uh, so we'll right. see where that goes, but maybe his intentions are pure and he does want to call it a career. Got a jam-packed show for you today here on One Bills Live. Coming up in about 20 minutes, we're going to talk to former Bills fullback Sam Gash who played for the Bills in two separate stints, but is most known for his time with the Bills in the late 90s when they went to the playoffs during the Flutie years. And uh, we'll catch up with Sam because he's got a very important message for fans during the first of two weeks in which we will hear about crucial catch and early detection for cancer screening. Uh, Sam's got a personal story to share, and we'll catch up with him and have him do that. Uh, in about 20 minutes time so be sure to stay tuned for that uh, I think it's going to be pretty impactful for yeah. people second hour of the show we are locked and loaded we'll catch up with our good friend former Bills linebacker Arthur Motz who also played half of his career with the Steelers he does Steelers radio down there so we'll catch up with uh, the smile guy that's what I always call him that guy had an ear to ear smile no matter what time of day it was no matter he had a rain cloud over him mm-hmm. super positive dude so look forward to catching up with Arthur, don't cross the moats in the second hour of the show. And then fresh off the field, our Austin Air interview this week will be with one Greg Rousseau. He of the four sacks in four games. So it'll be great to talk to him. And then we'll have post-practice press conferences where we hope to hear from the likes of Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Von Miller. We got you covered wall-to-wall, past and present Busy day. Busy, including busy the matchup day. on Sunday against the Steelers. And I don't know, Steve. Like I'm, I think people just automatically assume that the Bills are going to feast on Kenny Pickett in his first NFL start, and it's going to be like a whitewash of a game. I want to remind everybody, even though during the Sean McDermott regime, the Bills have had enormous success against rookie quarterbacks. We are less than a year removed from the Bills going four and two against rookie quarterbacks last year. Now there are some extenuating circumstances. They lost to Mac Jones and the Patriots in a windstorm, but they also lost to Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars down in Jacksonville last year. Two rookie quarterbacks that did get the best of the Bills last year. So and and I think I think you touched on this yesterday, if I remember right, Steve. Mike Tomlin, when his team is a massive underdog, which they are this week, 14-point spread, has a way of rallying the troops. When they are the biggest underdog, it seems that that's when he gets the best out of his players.
0: They're so rarely in, the, in that mode. And yeah. that's, the, that's the ultimate trump card for motivation, when you want to prove, you get a chance you've to You've been prove, counted out before count the game's out. even played. Right, that's... That really motivates the pro athletes, and Mike Tomlin's a master at that because he he rarely gets to play that card with the Steelers. And I mean, you can say what you want about a three point underdog; they're massive underdogs. They're like double digit underdogs, which is unheard of. So, and, and I, Kenny Pickett can play, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not counting the Steelers out at all in this game. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna make some plays. They'll do some nice things. Their, their offense is going to be a little bit energized. Um, the Bills' defensive front hopefully will be getting a little bit healthier. Maybe Ed Oliver can get back on the field, uh, probably not Jordan Phillips this week. But this is a team you know, up front that needs to win the line of scrimmage, and um, the Steelers have got a little bit of juice with Kenny Pickett coming in and giving him a week as, as the number one quarterback instead of coming in cold off the bench. I, they'll play better offensively this week coming in than they have yet this year. And uh, you don't want to, you don't want to get caught, not, not being ready for it.
1: Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I think somehow, some way the Steelers will keep it competitive. I, I don't see the bills necessarily running away with it, especially since their injury report seems to be getting longer, not shorter. So, I mean, you can only sustain so many losses I mean it's hard to be dominant when you're short handed. Yeah. Uh, especially in this league.
0: And they're gonna be hamstrung in their ability to prepare like they normally would because all these guys are sitting down watching practice instead of taking reps, and that's a problem. And you know, you got Tremaine Edmonds who's not practicing, Jordan Poyer who's not practicing, you got Phillips and and Oliver who are limited. Saffold's taking a day. All these guys are taking days, you know, to to get back in the swing of things. It's, yeah, it's not ideal, and and I get it. You know, there are obstacles in every season, but man, oh man, the Bills' injury list is is a problem right now, and it continues to be. And it and it manifests itself, in my opinion, on Sunday. It did. I think it did to a great extent, not only in the Miami game, but also in the Baltimore game. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think they got their problems to work through. And I think this is a big week, right? you, Because if, if you look at it, you're trying to get – got 17 games. You've got to win games like this. You've got to win games like this. Games like this are what cost you the one seed a year ago.
1: Yeah. You're talking about last year's opener, blocked punt, and all that stuff. And the ja-
0: or the Jaguars game.
1: Or the Jaguars game. The Tennessee Titans game was the ultimate –
0: Or the Titans game. Was
1: the ultimate flip game because – all the Bills had to do last year was win that game. In terms of changing the record, they would have been the number one seed in the AFC and get the bye. Right. Because they had the head to head on the Chiefs. And um, by beating the Titans, you would have made them 11 and six. You would have been 12 and five. You would have been number one seed in the AFC that right. one game. So that's why the coaches always say every game's important. Because when you get to the end of the season, you look back and you're like, oh.
0: It doesn't matter. Sucks that we yeah. lost that one. It Things does. could have been
1: a lot different.
0: And and it comes back to, you know, one play. In your, in your case last year, you know, Josh slipping on fourth down, on that quarterback sneak. Ball game season. Thanks for coming. Ball game season. Playoff seed. Yeah, I mean that's it. If it would have been, I you got to think it would have been a little different if Kansas City comes to Buffalo instead of going to Kansas City last year in the overtime loss. Yep. You don't think that's different? Yeah, I think it would be different. Think about it too. It was such a good year last year. If Buffalo does close out that game with 13 seconds left, the championship game is in Buffalo.
1: Yeah, it would have been anyway, against the Bengals.
0: Yeah, you need to win this game.
1: Uh, let's go to the phones. 803 eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Number to get on board. So, give us your thoughts on this upcoming matchup. With the Steelers or the roster at large, in light of the injury situation, and leading us off today, and I'm trying to get him, pull them up here. We got Dave in Rochester. What do you got for us, Dave?
2: Hey uh, guys, I just uh,
0: one thing in the upcoming schedule. I noticed it seems like we're always playing Kansas City in Kansas City. Uh, is is that something? I'm missing somewhere. Yeah,
1: so I'll here's here's what you're missing, Dave. Number one, it's a rotational schedule. So the Bills every year will play a different division in their conference, just like they will play a different division in the NFC. So this year the Bills are playing the AFC North and the NFC North. They will play all four teams in both of those divisions. Then they will have two They have their six division games, okay? So that's eight plus six, that's 14 games. Games 15 and 16 are played against teams that finished in the same spot in their division that the Bills finished in theirs last year. Same conference, too. Yeah, AFC teams in the divisions that you're not playing. So the Bills are playing the AFC North this year. So they'll be playing the first-place team from the AFC West last year and the first-place team— from the afc south last year that was the titans and the chiefs um they then determine who's home and who's away based on those meetings in the past so one is home one is away the titans were home this year the chiefs were away now i'll remind everybody the chiefs did play here in 2020 they played the chiefs in buffalo in 2020 nobody saw it because it was during covid but they did play here on a monday at five o'clock of all times but uh that's how it goes. So next year, I believe they're playing the AFC West. So they will play the Chiefs again. And I have to – so in 2020, the Bills played the Chiefs here. And so if they play, the, they play the AFC West next year, and they will play the Chargers away, I remember, because the Chargers were here the last time.
0: The Chargers were here, the Chiefs were here, the Raiders were in Vegas and right. the Denver Broncos were in Denver.
1: Okay. So, they'll be on the road again <laughs> against the Chiefs next year. Yeah. Because uh, they I, play the AFC West.
0: I, yeah. Dave and I yeah, you noticed that the Bills played the Chiefs in Kansas City this year. Hmm, yeah. You're not alone. Yeah, it's been I know it feels like – They're going to play him again next out. year in Kansas City, it looks not like. Not to
1: mention the fact that the the Chiefs have had the higher playoff seed, so each of the last two playoff meetings have been out there as well. So I get why it feels that way. It's
0: like a home away from but home. But it's
1: it's not some – it's not some conspiracy. Just it's, rest, just it's a rotational schedule. It's just kind of the way it plays out. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, the 17th game is the extra game against the out-of-conference team that finished in the same place as you – in the division that you played the year prior. I believe that's how it goes if I remember right. Um, and so that game I got I don't know so the schedule Bills, in front so of me.
0: So the Bills would it would be the division out of conference they played prior was it was the East last year, Washington. Uh the, no, no, it was the, it was the South. It was the Saints, it was the Bucks, it was the Panthers and the Falcons. So it would be this year, of course, this year that turns into who is it? Uh, uh, well, who is it?
1: I, I don't have the schedule in front of Bears, me.
0: Bears, Bengals, Patriots, Dolphins, Jets, Patriots, Lions, Browns, Vikings, Jets, Packers. She- I don't know who that is this year. Who's the seven – oh, Oh, was the Ram? It was the Rams? No. Yes. Can't be the Rams. They didn't. They, they played the South last year. Who won the South? It was Tampa Bay. Why aren't we playing Tampa Bay this no, year? No,
1: it's. I'm sorry, it's the it's the division you play the following
0: year. The following year. Oh, the so next year. They will be year. playing
1: the NFC West next year, so they have to play the team that finished in the same spot in their division. It's NFC which West, is, which, is which is the Rams. Which is the
0: Rams, yeah. Okay.
1: All right. We got there eventually. Sorry about that. Well, said, it's to it's
0: hard to keep on top of, but it's nothing. Listen, they don't – the only f- f- leeway they have, the the, the – once the regular season ends, you know absolutely positively who your opponents are for the next year. You don't know when and where, but you even have a set you have a sense also of the of the home and away, but not fully. So yeah, it's easy and it just works out that every year over the last 4 or 5 years, the Bills have played Kansas City and they've played a lot of the time in Kansas City mostly you think about it because of the two playoff games in Kansas City.
1: Yeah. So I get it. It feels lopsided, but it's just kind of the way it has worked out with those intra-conference finish in division games. And if all goes right for the Bills, they'll win their division and the Chiefs will win theirs again. Right. But they play them next year anyway because they're playing the AFC West and the NFC West, so – and it'll be on the road, so just prepare yourself. <laughs> uh. That's the way it goes.
0: You, and that, that's how you get rivalries that happen. It's the way it was for the Bill. We played the Raiders a ton uh, back in the in the days when the team was going to the playoffs back in the 90s. You played – there was a handful of teams that you just saw all the time. There's a couple of them, like Cleveland, Cincinnati, you never saw. Pittsburgh, we saw a ton in the regular season. Um you know, all these, you know, the teams that were very good at the same era in the same time frame because of their quarterback or because of their personnel, their coaching, or whatever, they just happen to have great players at the same time. And you end up playing them every year because they always end up first or second in their division, and so do you. It's just the way the, the uh, schedule is worked out. So it creates great rivalries. Certainly, there's one there for the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs but back in the day in the division it was Bills Miami with Dan Marino and Jim Kelly going at it. So uh-huh. and we never saw the Chiefs cuz they weren't very good. So it's an, it's a an era kind of thing. It's kind of a generational thing where you have these stretches of years where that team is that team. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why that happens.
1: There is a Thursday night game tomorrow between the Colts and Broncos. And Jonathan Taylor has been ruled out for the Thursday night game. So when it rains, it pours for the Colts, who are off to a rough start to the season. They somehow beat the Chiefs, um, but have not performed well in their other matchups. And they'll be doing it without their top running back on Thursday night on a short week. Can I just say, this? don't you lose something with these Thursday night games? What do you mean? I don't know. I just feel like the on-field product is nah, I don't
0: impacted it. to some on. degree. No, nah, I don't buy that. It's not enough turnaround time. I don't buy that. I don't buy it. Both teams are under that. They play well. And, and, the, and I'll say this, too. The studies that I have heard about have said that there aren't any more injuries or more frequent injuries in Thursday night games than there aren't Sunday afternoon games. So the short week doesn't mean that either. Um, I get it that. It's it's a bummer for the teams playing in it because you don't get a practice or whatever, but the, you know you get that time off afterwards, which to me is a huge bonus. But I, I'm I'm not a, I, I don't have a problem with Thursday night football. I really don't. I really don't. So I get it. I mean, I, but it, they've been I don't know they've been pretty good games. The Bills the Bills opening game against the Ra- the Rams. Okay, you can make a you can make a case. You know, 31-10, that wasn't a great game. And then the next one, 24-27, Chiefs-Chargers, that was a great game week two. Week three was Steelers-Browns, 17-29. Browns come through and win that one. That's, you know, it's a double-digit 12-point win. And then last week, of course, was the Dolphins-Bengals game where you know, and the atrocity that happened to Tua, which has nothing to do with Thursday night football except for the fact that maybe Tua
1: did ever two concussions toughed,
0: in five days. Right, instead of seven days. Right, but, you know, if he had a concussion on the game against the Buffalo Bills, that's on Tua for lying about it. Yeah. So, what are you going to do? I, I don't mind Thursday night games. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I don't. Just, I think late in the year, the quality of the product suffers.
1: G- guys' bodies are hanging by, like, week 10, 11. Yeah. You're trying to play on a Thursday night, getting three days of rest. and
0: I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'll see. I mean, it's, yeah, it's Colts at Broncos this week, and then it's <laughs> – Think it's, about this. Colts the, and Broncos then, but, go
1: into that game. No Jonathan Taylor, no Javante Williams. Right.
0: That, listen to the matchup the next week. I, the Washington, Command, Washington Commanders at the Chicago Bears. Oh, my gosh. That is a barn you, burner. Yeah, listen, and you're talking about Thursday Night Football being the problem. It's, that's the problem right there. You got Washington at Chicago. Yeah. I'd rather go to the dentist. <laughs> then you got Saints at Cardinals. <laughs> then you got Ravens at Buccaneers. That's a game. Ravens at Buccaneers. That'll be a rock I want to see that game. game. Then you got Eagles at Texans. I mean, come on. 4 0 Eagles at the 0 3 1 Texans in week nine. I mean, it'll, they'll be different then. I, oh, my I man, forgot then,
1: obviously. they tied the Colts. Yeah, yeah. Forgot and then you got
0: that. Falcons, Panthers. Nobody cares about that in the AFC. Titans, Packers. I'll watch that. Every so often, you're getting one now. Yeah. Then, you know, then Bills Lions. Oh, then it's Bills Patriots. Two thir- I forgot yeah. about that. Back Two Thursdays. Back. Ooh, that's kind of nice. Raiders Rams. Nice one. I like that one. 15. 49ers Seahawks. Always a good one. Jaguars Jets. All right, I'll stop. Yeah, I'll stop. Let Jag- just take Jaguars a- Jets is a period at the end of that sentence. Yeah. Let
1: me just take a quick call before we go to break here. We got Joe and Tanawanda waiting. What do you got for us, Joe?
2: Hey, uh, all
0: right. So we won the coin toss right. and took the ball. Why? Nobody does that. And then look what happened. You know, we threw an interception, and then we gave away our second half advantage.
1: Yeah, Coach McDermott. Why, what was the
0: reason for that? Coach McDermott
1: addressed Nobody that. Nobody does that. Coach McDermott addressed that in his post game press conference. He said their decision was based on the forecast with the weather. They wanted to get up early on the scoreboard. They're a passing team, as we know. It was anticipated in the forecast to be a deluge there in the second half. So they wanted to get more possessions earlier in the game before the weather turned around 2 right around halftime. So that was the decision they made. Now, the forecast did not hold up. The rain wasn't that bad. It was wet the rest of the day. But the reasoning was based solely on the weather, nothing else. The weather forecast, and unfortunately, the forecast so didn't, right, come, Joe. didn't pan out.
0: You're right, Joe. Nobody does that, and there are reasons for it. Unless it's like, unlike last year, the the rain, the wind game against New England. You defer, they take the ball, you take the wind, or defer the wind. It's all about the wind in that game. So it's it's rare, but the weather played a part in it, and it's it made sense to me. And if you're if you're gonna whine or or well, not whine, I'm not saying you in particular, but. If everybody wants to say, "Hey, analytics, give yourself the best chance to win," well, there you go. Sometimes it calls for you to do some stuff that's counterintuitive. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, if you're expect, I mean, the forecast was pretty bad. Down it was there. bad all week. We were worried about it. I thought yeah. it was going to crush that team. I thought the Bills were going to lose in but large measure the because they wouldn't be able to throw the football. Yeah.
1: So it made sense to take that approach. It's just that the forecast wasn't backed up with what actually happened all right break time for us when we come back we're going to be joined by former bills fullback sam gash who has a special message for bills fans in this crucial catch week for early cancer screening we'll get to sam when we return here on one bills live presented by collider health it's buffalo bills radio All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Pleased to be joined now by a guy who had two separate stints with the Buffalo Bills as part of his 12-year NFL career, the king of the neck roll. It is Sam Gash, former Bills fullback, joining us on the line. How you doing, Sam?
2: Pretty good, guys. How about yourself? Well,
0: doing doing great, and uh, it's great to have you on with us. I know you're uh, a part of what's going on in the NFL with a crucial catch, intercept cancer initiative it kicks off in stadiums this sunday it continues through week six give us a a brief synopsis of what you have been through in the last two years and and why this is and obviously why this is so important to you
2: well you know i've had uh i had three bouts of cancer in the last two years and the first one started you know october it was in Probably October, November of 2020, when we moved to uh, Michigan, I ended up, hadn't been to the doctor in a few years and ended up just finding a uh, position, you know, to kind of go to. And it wasn't through the dedicated uh, NFL hospital program because it wasn't going yet. So I went through a hospital, uh, Beaumont, up here and ended up, you know, finding out I had prostate cancer and just decided to go and have it removed through you know, the Beaumont system. And then, you know, later on that year is when the, uh, dedicated hospital, the NFL dedicated hospital network started. And, you know, I, I just been there and that cost me like 60,000. I got a bill of like $60,000 for Beaumont, which was, you know, I I thought was nuts because insurance and everything, I figured, I figured would cover it. But anyways, that happened. Uh, in January of 2021 is when I had uh, prostate cancer surgery. And then uh, later that year, they started the, in September, I think, of 2021, they started the NFL Hospital Network. And I got a call from a girl, Christian, who runs the network up here. And basically, she kind of gave me the rundown of, you know, what was going on. And um, I ended up, you know, switching – doctors and hospitals. And, you know, later and later and actually early 2022, uh, probably February, March of 2022, my mom came down with um, stage four ovarian cancer. So, you know, I go down to Hendersonville, North Carolina and, you know, hang out with her and just hopefully, you know, help, you know, help nurse her back. But at the same time, my throat had been really bothering me, and I was kind of like, ah, you know, it's just a sore throat, you know, no big deal, and I came back and ended up talking with uh, Christian, who connected me with, you know, a, a Dr. Whitlow, who was basically the main, my main primary physician, and he directed me, you know, to a ear, nose, and throat doctor, and I ended up finding out in March of this year that I had throat cancer, and... <clears> throat> With that, you know, being said, I, you know, went through, you know, all the doctor's visits and everything and just through, you know, basically the NFL, they basically directed everything. You know, I I really just, you know, they found out what I had and it was like they would call me with an appointment. You have this appointment, you have that appointment. And, you know, I ended up finding out, you know, through by accident that I ended up having kidney cancer as well. Uh, during that same, same period of time, but I had to take care of the priority, which was the throat cancer. You know, in April, May, June, I, ended, I, had, um, ke- uh, not ke- I had some chemo, but I had 35 sessions of radiation, which I would go five days a week for seven weeks, mm. uh, pretty much during the summer. And then in August, I had uh, kidney surgery to get the tumor out, of my kidney and they didn't have to take my whole kidney they just basically had to take uh, i think half of it and still left me with a you know a functioning other kidney and so so I still have technically two kidneys but uh just you know the thoroughness through you know that NFL network of doctors and I had two cancers and I paid you know maybe like 7000 you know so the money that they had put towards uh, helping the guys has really come to fruition. I mean, it's really a true story that, you know, they want to help you in any way possible. And if they can catch, you know, anything that you would have early, uh, you know, they will do anything they can. And I think that the doctor, the network is in every NFL city. So guys usually, you know, after they've done playing, usually live around the city that, you know, has a team. And stuff like that, and if they don't, you know, there's always one close by. I would just highly recommend, you know, guys just stay vigilant, you know, on the health because it kind of snuck up on me to where I had no idea, you know, that I, I could even. To be honest with you, I had no idea I could even get get that sick. I thought that was that happened to everybody else and stuff. But uh, you know, this NFL, uh, the, the Henry Ford system up here in uh, in Detroit is is second to none. Yeah. I mean, they—they, they, I, I owe, you know, everything. Just feel truly blessed to be able to be a part of, to be a part of that the whole network.
1: Yeah, I mean, for for those listening that don't know, as Sam kind of outlined, the NFL Dedicated Hospital Network program, it's it's pretty new. It's a groundbreaking health and wellness benefit that yep. provides eligible vested former players access to a network of medical care providers as sam mentioned in every nfl city offering primary medical care and other services and obviously it is it is funded by the league too to reduce medical costs so instead of sam paying 60 grand like he did for his prostate cancer he paid seven for throat and kidney cancer so th- that had to be a tremendous weight off your shoulders knowing you had that coverage sam everybody's been through that
2: tremendous yes indeed and that's something that you know the league is definitely uh, you know has been, been true on and that's something that you know I truly appreciate from from the league and what a, you
1: and, know? and what about you know we we see the crucial catch program every year here in the NFL talking about people to get their screenings don't put things off you, you said like you know you had a, you moved somewhere new you know things fall through the cracks maybe you, yeah. you don't get to the doctor I mean, I'm sure you've run it through your head a couple of times. What if you didn't go to the doctor at all after that move?
2: Yep. No, I did. I did. And it was just, you know, little things like my back was hurting, you know, really bad, and I didn't know why. It didn't feel like anything that I had ever had before. And, you know, I just kind of, you know, listened listened to my body and my throat. You know, it was hurting, and it never just one side was hurting, and you know, just kinda of listening to your body uh helped you know, helped me right. you know, figure it out and try to, you know, try to get to it. But the this the girl up here, the NFL coordinator up here, Christian, I can't give her enough kudos because she is she was on the ball and I'm sure she does this with everybody. She's done it with everybody, but you know, she gets back to you, she gets you to the right doctors and it was easier than Trying to find everything by yourself because I'm having, you know, I have problems. You know, I got a bunch of medicine now that I'm supposed to take, and I forget if I took it or did I not take it, or what do I have to do. So, you know, to have to, you know, try to coordinate, you know, everything by myself would have been would have been a nightmare, and that's why, you know, I would say definitely use the coordinator that's in your town to figure out who it is. Give them a call, and then they will help direct and facilitate the care that you need and and that's just, that and that strictly goes from if you're just getting the physical just going to get a physical and I would obviously say get your PSA checked and I don't think every doctor does that but you can ask for it and you know they'll obviously run the test and that'll help in terms of that and then obviously it was an accident that I found out that I had kidney cancer they just did a, a scan like a PET scan and in my throat, and they was like, "All oh, let's just add the, ab- the abdomen just to make sure that it hadn't metastasized and spread, and it hadn't, but they saw, but the picture lit up in my kidneys, and they were like, whoa, you know, what is this? So then they sent me to a urologist, and just, you know, it was just kind of like a domino effect of things that, that went down that they basically were right on the ball with, you know, the whole time.
0: Well, Sam, it's it's good to hear your story, good to hear you're on the mend. We hope that your prognosis is positive, is positive, and we look forward to, if possible, in the future, seeing you here back in Buffalo.
2: For sure. You know, I definitely appreciate it, and I love Buffalo. I got a – you know, obviously my wife is from there, so I have a bunch of family there uh, that I enjoy seeing and love coming back.
1: That's right. We haven't forgotten those two Pro Bowls happened here in Buffalo, man, so – be great if we is. can see you all the best to you and uh keep uh keep healing up all right man you uh you, you're we always knew you as a tough guy you pulled through a hell of a stretch here so keep on keeping on all right
2: I certainly will thanks guys
1: all right that's uh, former bills fullback sam gash two time pro bowl fullback in 98 99 when he was here with the bills and uh holy crow like you want to talk about a run of bad luck with your
0: health. Yeah, how about those doctor's visits where, you know, it's one bad news and then it's more bad news piled up on top of it. Um,
1: I mean, I, three does, separate <clears throat> cancers in the span of two years. That's insane.
0: I'll say this, too, and, and it, particularly in the last couple of weeks where the league has taken a black eye because of the Tua Tonga by Loa thing, they have made incredible strides with former players. Uh, getting them on board with being taken care of in their, in later in life with some of the things that go on. Sam Gash is an example. Um, they don't get everything right, obviously, but they do make an effort to get a lot of it right. And, and it does sometimes it takes them, if, even for all of us out here and even the recent things that have happened around the league, it, they don't get it right really fast, but eventually it seems to me, and one of the reasons the league has thrived the way it has, is if even if it is eventually, they get just about every major issue just Right. Uh, they do it right, and uh, while it takes them too long sometimes, I think that the effort is always there.
1: I mean, just think about this: like it cost him 60k to get his prostate removed because insurance wasn't the insurance right. he had wasn't covering anything. And then, fortunately, this dedicated hospital network, provided through the NFL and collectively bargained for former players, comes online. He gets diagnosed with cancer two more times, right? But that only costs him. 7 grand right. for two that's separate a, incidences that makes and a, countless amounts of radiation that medicine makes,
0: that makes a big difference in your life huge difference life big difference, difference in your life yeah. yeah so
1: that's good and obviously Sam's message for fans out there is to get your screenings done make sure you go for your screenings don't skip screenings cuz when you catch things early it obviously enhances your chances to be a cancer survivor we will take a break here When we come back, we'll talk more about this upcoming matchup with the Steelers. And we're not too far away from checking in with uh, some other people that we're talking to today, most notably Arthur Motes, who's going to give us an update on the Steelers in the second hour of the show. Back in a second here on One Bills Live. All right, Steve, so as we know, Kenny Pickett is starting on Sunday for the Steelers, his first career start in the regular season. He's doing it against the Bills' number one rated pass defense. They are also number one in sacks per play, and they're a number one in total defense among some other categories. Do you know the last rookie quarterback to beat the number one pass defense in his first career start?
0: It's happened, huh? It It's happened, yes. <clears throat> no. TB12.
1: Ben Roethlisberger in
0: 2004. Oh, there you go. I think I did that game. Did you really? Gus Johnson, yeah. I think I was with Gus and we did that game.
1: Do you know who they played?
0: No. <laughs> I think it was in, in AFC North. Yeah, I think it was a division game, like Cincinnati or somebody. I remember in that game I said uh, – he threw, a, he threw a long ball. He You know, he did what he did back then. He couldn't read a defense or anything, so he just shove. off. He's so big. He'd just shove off the pr- pressure, yeah. roll out to one side or the other towards the, wherever the pressure came from. He'd roll to that side, heave it long, let his playmakers make a play. <clears throat> he was such a good thrower. He could put it where they could get it. He did that. Ball gets caught by Mike Wallace or somebody down inside the yeah. five-yard line. He gets whacked hard at the end of it. Climbs to his feet, like, and this is you know this is pre concussion stuff. So he doesn't look like he's all there. He gets in the huddle, calls the play, and everybody's like, "What's well, gonna?" He's gonna hand it off, you know. He can't, pl-. so he rolls out to his left, tucks the ball under his arm, and plows into the end zone with what everybody thinks is already a concussion. Mm. And so he makes this, and the place, and this is in Heinz Field, and the place is absolutely going bananas. Mm. And I, I said then they're gonna name sandwiches after the guy.
1: Yeah. Um, I found out the opponent. It was the Dolphins, and it was in Miami.
0: Oh, I didn't do it then. That wasn't yeah. the game.
1: So his first career start came against the Dolphins in a game that was actually moved from 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. because of Hurricane Jean.
0: 2004. And the
1: Steelers won the game 13-3. to Now, for those that don't remember, the 2004 Steelers – were a juggernaut of a running team and a defensive team. It was the perfect environment in which to drop a rookie quarterback because Ben would not have to do a whole lot. If you remember, he was only throwing it about 18 to 20 times a game. They
0: were – it was 2004. They were 15-1. and Yeah. Jerome Bettis and that ridiculous defense. I did – let's see. It must have been – yeah, I must have done the Cincinnati Bengals the next week. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, first home start or something
1: so it has that's happened right. yeah
0: i i can't
1: profess to know that it's happened at other times in nfl history there might be some examples but that was the last time it happened so almost 20 years ago
0: yeah that's things plexico burris caught that ball as a 30-yard play or something like that yeah and roethlisberger had uh so interesting see. that that game was on the road too much
1: like this yeah, one, I didn't is.
0: have a TD in that game. That must not be it. I must be old, man. That's all I can say. Well, I, I have distinct. You memories did do
1: of that. eighteen years of games on CBS. I would imagine yeah, they would tend to run twenty-one together.
0: games, and they do run together. Yeah, I remember more about flights than I do the games. That I, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I still remember. A lot of times, you'd come home on the Bills team playing. If you were doing the Bills, that's game right. I did. They to did fly home, and I distinctly remember one particular. Um, flight i am sitting directly behind you it's a long flight so i put a movie on and i had not seen it yet it was anchor man with will ferrell oh yeah you're you're sleeping you are out like a light in front of me and i am watching this thing trying to control my laughter <laughs> 'cause I don't want to wake you up. <laughs>
0: You're a nice travel the Anchorman, companion, Brownie.
1: I well, I think I woke you up a couple of times. Uh, so I'm not that nice cuz I could not Anchorman. contain myself. That's hilarious. I could not contain myself on that plane ride back. It was I was in stitches. I like I was almost crying. People are staring at me across the aisle like what is going on? I'm like that's it's great. the movie, man. Just trust me. That's Watch Anchor Man. Uh yeah, that's what I remember. All right, we got to take a break here. Because when we return, it's time for us to huddle up with Arthur Motes. Don't cross the moats. He's covering the Steelers where he finished his NFL career. He'll give us the 4-1-1 on just what is going on there, not just with Kenny Pickett, but with a defense that has largely underachieved so far this season. We'll check in with Arthur Motes next here on One Bill's Live.
0: Live, presented by
3: Kaleida Health.
1: Hour number two here on a Wednesday where your game sponsor for week five against the Steelers is Great Lakes Cancer Care Collaborative. Together, we're bigger than cancer. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and pleased to welcome in now a good friend of the show, former Bills linebacker, and uh, been covering the Steelers a little bit. Uh, where he also played the other half of his career. It is the one and only Arthur Moats. Arthur, good to have you, man. How you doing,
3: man? It's great to be on with you guys, man. Always miss you. and always great to see y'all.
0: Give us an idea of what's going on in Pittsburgh. And we've been talking about Kenny Pickett here all day, and all the unknowns that go with it. Um, and certainly that can work in both favor in favor of Pittsburgh, and also the unknowns could work in favor of the Buffalo Bills. What What are your thoughts on how this is going to go for the Steelers?
3: Yeah, this is uncharted territory right now in Pittsburgh. Um, Obviously, Mr. Bisky was the guy that they wanted to be the starter for a lot longer this season, but they felt that they needed to make some type of spark, some type of change. Now, Kenny did provide that, but he obviously was a rookie, so he still has some things that he has to improve upon. But the biggest thing right now is just that they're looking for somebody to give them some type of life, somebody that can give them just a reason to believe that this offense can be a little bit more explosive, because right now the way this field's offense has been this season, third downs have plagued them. Uh, Ball security hasn't been their best uh, situation either from an offense perspective, and they haven't been able to consistently just run the ball and things like that. So right now they're hoping that Kenny can at least answer some of those questions, but on offense in Pittsburgh, man, they still have a lot of questions they're trying to figure out right now.
1: Yeah. I I think from the outside, people wonder, Oh, this is just a quarterback issue, but it seems like it runs a lot deeper than that. Um, The offensive line I'm going to go back to the draft in 2021 and they had offensive line needs and we know the history of the Steelers. They draft linemen high fortify the line and the first pick they go Najee Harris and the second pick they go Pat Fryermuth. great players. But I think it's part of the reason why they're in the pickle. They're in now because this offensive line is, is still trying to find its, its legs here. they, They can't get anything going, it seems.
3: Yeah, you bring up a great point right there, and that is part of the criticism when you're talking about the way this Steelers roster has been constructed. They went with the nice high-end luxury pieces. You know, they fixed the TV. They went and got a big flat-screen TV. They went and got that new Lamborghini car, but the foundation of the house still has some cracks. It still has some things that needed to be addressed, and ultimately this is the ramifications of those decisions. Right now, they're still trying to figure out who on this offensive line is a capable starter that can do it every single down because right now it's been a lot of inconsistency and they've shuffled some pieces, especially on the interior part of that line, but that is a byproduct of that. So when you're looking at this Steelers offense, skill position wise, you feel good. You feel good about a Najee Harris, a Pat Fryer move, even when you're talking about George Pickens on the outside, right? But when you're talking about the core, the offensive line, it's not a lot of pedigree. It's not a lot of high-end draft picks or even Um, with James Daniels, he was the higher end free agency pickup, but outside of him is not a lot of money invested in that unit either. And that's a big reason why when you're talking about the inconsistencies as a whole pass protection and running ball, they are at the center of both of those.
0: Is that what it's going to look like? If the Steelers turn it around, the offensive line comes together and starts to play better than they have. I mean, that's the root of the problem offensively.
3: Yeah. To me. To me, I think the offensive line has to be a lot more consistent. And when you're talking about just the offense as a whole, Matt Canada, offensive coordinator, he's come under fire just with some of his play calling. But part of that was with Mr. Trubisky not being as – prone to taking some of those chances that we see a Kenny Pickett do. Now, granted, when you take chances, you ultimately open yourself up for more negativity, but that was also a part of this as well. So offensive line definitely was a huge component, but understanding when this offense can be explosive or when to take chances and when not to is the other component for this offense as well to improve.
1: Flipping it over to the defense, Arthur, obviously the pass rushes without the defensive player of the year and T.J. Watt. Uh, I saw the stat already this week. When T.J. Watt is not in the lineup, the Steelers are 0-7. I think it runs a little deeper than that, but it's a, it's a clever stat to throw out there. When he doesn't play, they don't win. I get it. Alonzo Highsmith's been a nice bright spot for them. I think he's right at the top of the league in sacks through the first four weeks. But where, where would you peg the effectiveness of this defense right now without its most important player?
3: Yeah, the loss of T.J. Watt has been something that this Steelers defense and uh, Terrell Lawson defensive coordinator have been scrambling to figure out. But it's not just him. Very similar to the situation in Buffalo, the back end is banged up as well. They're um, without one of their top corners, Akello Witherspoon. And then their second quarter, Cam Sutton is banged up. Mika Fitzpatrick is a little banged up as well. So that has caused some issues in terms of limiting what they can do personnel grouping wise, and also limiting what they could do call wise, because if you don't have the personnel to play man corner or man defense, you can't do that. So you're forced to play sometimes a little bit more zone coverage than you would like to. And in the past, when TJ Watt is healthy, you can get away with that because the pass rush is there elite at times. But when he's not out there, that's where the drop-off is. So even though Alex Highsmith is playing well, he's still been inconsistent, so to speak, because it was what? He had a sack last week. He should have had three sacks realistically. And that's the part for him where he's having to pick that up and be more consistent. And I think he will. But as a whole, I think that's the big issue is not just TJ being out. It's also some of the injuries on the back end limiting what they can do coverage wise. And now you're talking about this perfect storm. And in a situation where you're going to play Buffalo, where we know what Josh Allen, that offense is up there. That's one of those recipes where you're like, man, if you're in Pittsburgh, you're biting your nose. If you're in Buffalo, you're lifting your fingers.
0: Give us a little idea. We've we've gone down some of the struggles now. That, you know, they won their opening game against Cincinnati, lost three straight. So they're struggling. They've got some problems, with things they were trying to work through. What are the
3: bright spots? Yeah, the bright spots is defensively, they can turn the ball over. Mika Fitzpatrick, I think he has, what, two interceptions this season. As a whole, though, this secondary, they get their hands on footballs. This D-line, they're able to force turnovers. The reason why they got out of that Bengals game, they forced five turnovers. That's one of the things that they've been able to do consistently this season. But they have to continue doing that, and it's becoming a lot harder as the season progresses and fatigue starts to set in, more injuries start to happen. But also, on offense... One of the bright people that, you know, people are getting excited about is George Pickens, the uh, rookie wide receiver out of Georgia. He has continued to show big playability now, it's just more so can they actually continue to get him the ball and make him to what they think he can be. But ultimately, those would be the two things that I would hang my hat on as a Steeler person to say, hey, why you should be optimistic or if you're the Bills, why you should be a little concerned in certain areas.
1: And then. We know that there is a little bit of a pit representation beyond Kenny Pickett here in this game because the Bills have two defensive backs that actually played with Kenny at Pitt in Dane Jackson and DeMar Hamlin. If you had to guess, mm-hmm. Arthur, because, I mean, these guys know each other, haven't gone against each other in practice for like two or three years every single day. Um, who has the upper hand in that kind of an equation, quarterback with DBs?
3: Man, well, in this particular matchup, I would say the DBs, um, Dane and Demar, just because I think as a whole the Bills' pass rush is going to impact Kenny Pickett a lot more. It's going to make him have to play a lot faster than he would necessarily want to. But if everything was equal and that wasn't the case, well, then, yeah, you kind of give it to the quarterback because typically elite quarterback play or really good quarterback play can always beat really good defense. And that's kind of how I would look at that. But right now, the way this pass rush for Buffalo is playing – I don't see a scenario where Kenny is going to be able to feel comfortable back there to really test that secondary, because even though they're banged up, they're not bad players. Whether you're talking Dane Jackson, DeMar Hammer, or even the uh, the young guy out of uh, Florida. It was, um, Come on, uh, Kyrie uh, Elam. Elam, yeah. Yeah, yeah Kyrie Elam. Even with him, it's like these are still talented players. They're just trying to prove that they can be consistent starters but once again it's not that big of a drop off so to me I definitely think that the pit dbs in this scenario are going to feel really good out there
0: if you're a defender you tell me art because I never played defense I was a kick cover and all that when you're when you know a guy quarterback and particularly when you practice against the guy every day you do get a sense of what throws he's willing to make and which throws he can make so when you're covering a guy and he does one thing you think, you know, he's not going to get the ball now because I know the quarterback is not going to throw it here, that kind of thing. Is there that kind of mindset for the guys we're talking about and Dane Jackson, DeMar Hamlin, that you can kind of communicate that with the guys on your team or at least feel it in your in your own coverage?
3: Yeah, well, before I even get there, you know, I'm not going to let you minimize So You're a legend. Should be yeah. a Hall of yeah. Fame. I don't know what they're still waiting on, just throwing that out there. But – As a DB or as a defender versus a quarterback that you're familiar with from practice, absolutely. They have tells, they have keys where you'll know, hey, in certain situations, when this guy maybe grabs his glove, hey, he's getting ready to do this. Or if this guy is in this type of situation, he's going to always err on the side of being more aggressive. Those are certain things that you definitely can take away from practicing with the player, seeing him every day for multiple years. And I think with both of those guys in terms of Dane and DeMar, they are going to feel some of that and they are going to communicate that as well but the one thing that i always caution people is this just because you know a person from college at the nfl level is just different so you take that and you understand it and you use it a part of your game plan but you still have to see some of this stuff in stadium to really get that 100% confirmation on it
1: last one i've got for you arthur and i'm asking this cuz i know you can speak to it having been coached by coach tomlin they're a 14 point underdog this week and it always seems that when the steelers are Counted out before a game is even played, that's when Mike Tomlin seems to be able to get the best out of his team and they make a pretty competitive showing. What is it that he does that gets guys so amped up in those kinds of situations?
3: Man, Coach Tomlin, he's just one of those guys that he understands how to relate to his players. He understands how to motivate them. He knows their ticks. So when it's a scenario where your back's against the wall or they're viewing you as, you know, this just – non-competitive party in this matchup, Coach Tomlin taps into those personal feelings. He taps into everybody on his team that has had different reasons of why they were doubted. And he reminds you of that every single day. He reminds you of that when they're talking about 14-point spread, ultimately inspire you. And that's why when we talk about some of Coach Tomlin's best work, people will point back to that 2019 season when Ben Roversberger got hurt. Because he had to galvanize his troops and create this success out of a Devlin or out of a Duck Hodges and a Mason Rudolph scenario, but that's what Coach Tomlin brings to the table, and that's why a lot of times in these type of matchups, this is when he is at his most dangerous because he's able to motivate those guys so much. But at the end of the day, you still got to go out there and execute, and that's the other part of this thing where the motivation, the the speeches, they help you at the beginning part of the game, but after that first quarter, man, it still boils down to productivity. Can you execute? And if you can, you're more than likely to win. But when you don't, all of that speech in making you feel good kind of goes out the window. And that's the part where we're going to see with this particular uh, 2020 or this 2022 version of the Pittsburgh Steelers, how they respond in that situation.
0: Let's talk about the 2022 year. You come in, give us an idea for, because in Buffalo, you know, we know the bills expectations are sky high and all that. What were the preseason expectations for the Steelers? How does Pickett coming into the game, change those expectations now and where are the and where are those expectations now today
3: going forward? Yeah, so when you're talking about the expectations, it really depends on who you're referring to, right? Some people we operate in Pittsburgh with the standard of the standard. And that means it's always Super Bowl or bust. But we understand that at the same time that there was a lot of transition, right? No Ben Roethlisberger, he retired. Kevin Cobra, GM, he retired. So you know it's going to be mass changes. So that was one part of it. But in terms of the realistic expectations, I think this team still expects to be a playoff contender, because when you're talking about them offensively and defensively, they still have a lot of talent out there. But the biggest question was going to be at quarterback. And was it going to be Mitch Trubisky being able to come in and lead and, you know, do some of the things that we saw him do in Buffalo last year in the preseason? Or would it be the young guy, Kenny Pickett, coming in and providing a spark and going on this magical ride of, You know, helping the University of Pitt win an ACC championship for the first time in forever and now coming to the Steelers and ultimately leading them to success as well. So it kind of falls in between both of those. But I don't think where they're at right now is too far off of what the realistic expectations for this team was. They're going to be inconsistent. They're going to win some games when they're disciplined, when they take care of the little things. But when they have self-inflicted issues like they've had in the three games that they've lost, they're going to struggle in those. And that's the true version of this 2022 Steelers team right now.
1: Arthur, appreciate the time as always. uh, We'll catch up with you down the line, but thanks for giving us some insight on the Steelers. We appreciate it. Thanks, Arthur.
3: Hey, always a blast talking with you guys, man.
1: All right, that's Arthur Motes, former Bills linebacker, former Steelers linebacker, and covering the Steelers down there in Pittsburgh. Steve, I did a little more digging Uh on rookie quarterback's Playing against number one pass defenses, because as we told you, the last rookie quarterback to win in his first career start against a number one pass defense was Ben Roethlisberger in week three of the 2004 season. I have the overall rookie quarterback record against number one pass defenses in their first career Start. It's happened a lot, has it? Nine times.
0: Wow. How about that? I didn't what think, would you I
1: guess the record to be? You know, Roethlisberger won his. Nine total games since 1950?
0: I will say one and eight.
1: The answer is six and three. Really? I am stunned. You are kidding me. I am completely stunned. A rookie's by that. first start against, against a, a number, number one, one defense. defense.
0: Number one pass defense. Six and they're and six three. and three. Yeah. Shocking. Oh man, see, now you gotta now you're gonna be have Bills fans wringing their hands about Kenny Pickett uh, coming in here. I don't think they should. Uh, rookie quarterbacks in their first
1: career starts are 6-2 against top five pass defenses since 2010. Notable winners include Jalen Hurts, who did it in 2020 against New Orleans, Tua, who did it against the Rams in 2020, and Patrick Mahomes, who did it against the Denver Broncos in 2020. 17 that was kind of a misnomer that was a throwaway game that they didn't need because that was the only game that Mahomes started the end of the season because the Chiefs had locked up their playoff seating so that I put an asterisk on that one okay okay such quarterbacks though all time against top five pass defenses since 1950 21 41 and one
4: Oh, that's yeah. a little
1: bit more that in line seems, than
0: what that for what I would expect. That seems more accurate. <clears throat> uh, although even even twenty one wins out of you know that's a th- winning a third of the time. That's a comp- It's a team game, and I'll, I'll yeah. say this: it, they say that quarterback the winnings is not a quarterback stat. You know, um, I think winning is a quarterback stat, but losing is not, um, and that's weight to my argument where a rookie quarterback against a top five pass defense wins a third of the time it's a team sport it's the two-thirds of the time it's it's the team sport yeah top five defense it's the team sport it's the team sport and it all intertwines we were talking at the beginning of the show about how the efficiency of buffalo's offense which sounds like a really good thing Converting third downs, getting leading the league in first downs, all of that stuff they're doing, but they have fewer possessions because of it, and they can't score as many points because of it. So it, it's it all kind of intertwines because of the nature of this game being so team-oriented, so unselfish-oriented, to have a guy that's so important, no question, that when you win, he's got to play well. But when you lose... So many other things have to collapse as well. so I, I, it's hard to quantify it and and, like I said, wins is not a quarterback stat, but lose I'm losing isn't either. Wins it seems like the quarterback has to do so much that, yeah, you can win without a quarterback, but you can't but you can also lose with one. I mean, I guess is my point. I yeah, it's just such a team sport. And when you get these young kids going in against a number one defense or a number one pass defense, you can't forget about the other 52 guys on the roster because they're all pulling for the kid, right? Well, yes. And, and I t-
1: If you watch last week's game, they, he kind of put a spring in their step when he came into the game last week against the Jets. Well,
0: I, was- fill, I got a th- quick theory about that, too. Team makes a quarterback change, and I don't care if it's the Buffalo Bills at halftime of Week 17 in 2020 when Matt Barkley comes in. They got a spring in their step. Them they got that team on the ropes already. Yeah. When you get the new guy in, everybody you know everybody wants to shine. Everybody wants that guy to go. It does pick up their pace, and whether the guy's any good or not, um. So I'm you know, it won't take long for that spring in their step to disappear if the guy throws another three interceptions, in a, in a half a football. Right. So we'll see. But I, anytime you make a change of that magnitude of the quarterback spot, you're going to get a boost. Same thing as when you, when you fire a head coach midseason and the interim takes over, you get a boost. It doesn't mean you're always going to win, but you'll see a noticeable difference because it's a real slap in the face of reality when everybody looks around and says, if, that, if they're replacing that guy, what are they going to do to me? Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I get the spring in their step thing, but the guy's got to play good.
1: The Bills' defense has allowed the lowest passer rating in the league so far this year, 64.7 is their opponent passer rating. That is the lowest in the league. Steelers' quarterbacks so far this season have a 67.1 passer rating. That is 31st in the NFL. So best passer, one, one of the best passer rating defenses and one of the worst passer rating quarterbacks. We have to take a break, though. When we come back fresh off the field, it is your defensive end in mine. Number 50 in your program, number one in your heart is one and only Greg Rousseau. Joining us here in studio next on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Time for our fresh off-the-field interview brought to you by Austin Air, the official clean air provider of the Buffalo Bills. And uh, the guy's still sweating. So nice to come here right off the field. It's Greg Rousseau. we got to get like a towel sponsor because we got to have towels (laughs) here for these guys so they can dry off a little bit while they're sitting next to us. But Greg Rousseau here still has his pads on and everything. And and I want to start here because – you know, there are new guys added to the injury report this week, but I got to believe when that D-line group gets up in individual position drills, it's got to be nice to see Ed and Jordan Phillips back practicing, yeah. even if it's on a limited basis, right? No,
5: nah, uh, that's facts. It was great to see them out there. They're looking good. Uh Obviously, we've been missing him the last couple of weeks, so I feel like it's going to really help our D line get a little extra boost uh, moving on in the future.
0: You got uh, a really good start going on. You got, you know, four sacks and stuff, and a lot has been said about the relationship you've fostered with Vaughn. Mm-hmm. And you know, he truly he is a great player. I mean, there's no question about it. And he comes in with a lot of credentials. Mm-hmm. Give people an insight as to your mindset when a guy like Vaughn steps onto the field at, for the first time and all that. Yeah, and he starts talking. I mean, he's the kind of guy he is yeah give us an idea of how that affects all the guys in the room
5: i mean it's been great for all of us and it's definitely been great for me vaughn's like a definitely like a big brother figure to me and he's giving me so much advice on the field off the field just every little thing i'm like vaughn how do you do this how do you do that like just trying to pick his brain on every little thing i can and i feel like he's helped me out a lot and also just him just a player when a player like that comes from another team and what he's done, obviously, a future Hall of Famer. And then when they show that belief in you, and he tells me that, like, he believes me, like, yeah, you can win, Gary, take the game over. Like, it does something for me, for sure. I'll
0: say this, too, and it's uh, the things that a lot of people don't realize, like, when you get a guy like Vaughn in there, mm-hmm. you ask him stuff The people don't understand. Like, when in your career should you buy a house instead of rent an apartment? Stuff when like should that. You, yep. When should you live in the town that you play in? When should you go home? How often should you come back in the... That kind of stuff mm-hmm. is
5: really stuff you crave as a young player, right? Exactly, and it really goes a long way because coming in as a as a rookie, you don't know how it goes in the NFL. You know, you might be a good player, you might be talented or whatever, but just the, just the ins and outs, like you said, like where do you live, uh, what do you do, how do you take care of your body? When off-season? do you look for a place? Yeah, yeah. Get stuff, right, yeah all, all that stuff. stuff. Yeah, so I mean, all that stuff goes a long way in just making sure all your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted.
1: I know last year, Greg, you got off to a flying start. People still remember your chiefs game tip interception mm-hmm. and then after that it was it was kind of hard for you to consistently flash week in and week out and coach mm-hmm. talk, coach Fraser talked about it late in the season he said look sometimes rookies have some peaks and valleys to their seasons you had the added challenge of not playing in 2020 mm-hmm. um so it was like almost 2 years between the time you lined up and played football let yeah. alone got had gone through a whole season yep was did that add to the degree of difficulty like was everybody you hear all the time when they come back oh i got to knock the rust off mm-hmm. did it take longer to knock the rust off because of the lengthy layoff or was that really not part of the equation
5: uh i i say i definitely started knocking it off during like preseason training camp okay. and uh i mean obviously did have the fast start to the to last season But, uh, obviously, I I didn't keep it going as much, and that's my goal this year, you know, just living day by day, every single practice out there, whether it's Wednesday, first and second down, Thursday, third down. or if it's or if it's Fast Friday, and really just living week to week and day to day, and just trying to just be the best version of me every single day and bring Right, it week and so week. It,
1: it looks right. like you're an example of that now because that is what you know. We talked to Coach Frazier every week and coming mm-hmm. into the season, he said, "Yeah, that's what we need from Greg and Boogie and AJ—the mm-hmm. week-to-week consistency, consistency, not just the flash of the ability. Let's see it every week. Yep. I mean, four six, four sacks, six quarterback hits." Those both lead the team right now through the first four games. Is this kind of the stacking of weeks that you kind of are looking for from yourself?
5: Uh, Yeah, 100%. I still feel like I left a lot of plays out there, you know, and, like like I had I had a, a sack I could have got this week that, that I missed I got to keep uh, keep on bringing my feet I had some rushes I wish I could have had back from the Ravens game so you know and it's all about just looking back at the games we have like a 24 hour rule but looking back and saying like all right I could do this better I could do this better so I mean just moving on uh, towards the Steelers week is re- I'm just challenging myself again you know be the best player I could be sometimes I can get you two sacks sometimes I can get you no sacks and it might not be right. that type of game right. you know so just really just challenging myself to have the best game I could possibly have
0: what's the word coming out of Pittsburgh about what you guys think about, you know, they're changing quarterbacks, you mm-hmm. got a young quarterback coming in, what are some of the general rules you guys think about when you're playing a team where you haven't seen a yeah. guy play very much?
5: Yeah, and I mean, I feel like when it comes to that, not really knowing too much about watching uh, their quarterback, Kenny Pickett, it really comes back to just us being us, you know, us playing our ball like we did in that second half uh, versus the Ravens, so just us doing, executing, doing all our things right, and definitely doing our 111th.
1: I saw – I was going through the game last week against the Ravens. Mm-hmm. And I, knowing you guys review film, you might remember this. But right after Andrews got called for offensive pass interference, now it's third and I think it was 16. Mm-hmm. And the Ravens go empty backfield, and they're just going to have their five against your four. And for some reason, they had both tackles in one-on-ones with you and Vaughn. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. That's yeah. to me, that's suicide. And Vaughn no, got yeah. the sack on that play, yep. and then they have to kick a field goal because they couldn't get the first down. Um, do you relish the one on one opportunities? Oh, yeah. I mean, those I got to imagine the more you keep putting up these numbers, the mm-hmm. less you're going to see yeah, that.
5: Less them. Yeah, unless I'm going to get them. No, but definitely, you know, that's what we live for. We always say in our room four equals one. Uh, and our our best pressure, for, the best pressure for really good teams is just the four man rush and being able to drop back seven dudes in the yeah. coverage. So I, I feel like that's great when we have that going, and that's our goal week in a week out is to be able to affect the QB and affect the game with uh, four rushers.
0: We've seen that happen a lot around the league where now it's um, more so than at any other point. Where especially a guy like you with how t- how much length you got, and AJ's got that kind of length mm-hmm. as well, and. Uh, about knocking passes down at the line of scrimmage. And do you guys have a – is it a mental clock – where you rush and then you know the, yeah. the club will have an alarm. Where you yeah. at this point, if I'm not there, I got to get up. You know, get yeah. my hands up.
5: Or is it all eyesight where you just keep your eye on it? I'd say I'd say it's a little bit of both, and it's a little bit of like you got to understand the animal you're hunting. You know, some quarterbacks like we played against two the other week and He was just getting the ball out real quick, just boom, like two points up in a second. So some quarterbacks like that, I feel like you got to be more like cognizant of getting your hands up. And then some people, uh, some quarterbacks like to hold the ball, run around, kind of like how Josh does, like extend plays. So with them. Mm-hmm. I feel like you wouldn't want to rush in and kind of stop and try to play volleyball with the ball because that, that quarterback could look down the field and then do like a you know a whole put on a whole show back there you know right, so right. I mean it, it's definitely week to week for sure but it, I mean y- y'all have seen it getting your hands up could yeah. can make game breaking plays sure. just getting your hands up just sure. like last week with Poyer with that first interception yeah. right
1: some of the looks that we've seen so far this season that I know get a lot of people excited is seeing you kicking inside, inside. and then Vaughn's next to you yeah. Good luck with that. Like, Mm -hmm. you and him on the same side. Mm -hmm. I mean, pick your poison there. You can't double everybody, as you know. And I know you have experience because Miami even lined you up inside a good amount of time uh, back in 19. So do you kind of like that setup? Because it seems to be working for you guys.
5: No, I love that setup. And I feel like uh, it's really good to kind of move people around because then it makes it harder for the other team to say, all right, Greg's going to be there. Vaughn's going to be there. Boogie, AJ, he's going to be right there. It's not stagnant. You know, I go to the left. Vaughn goes to the left. Then I'm on the right. Then I'm in the inside at the right three-tech. So being able to change stuff up, it's kind of like I feel like it creates mismatches and also makes us less predictable.
0: Yeah. How do you guys handle individually and as a group the rotation? I mean, we hear about it all the time. You guys mm-hmm. are in and out of there. Nobody gets a ton of reps, mm-hmm. at least not all at once. Yeah. Um, how do you guys handle that? Both like you as an individual,
5: I know everybody wants to play all the time. Mm-hmm. So how do, you, how do you do that? I feel like it's kind of like the pace of the game. You know, sometimes uh, A.J. or or whoever, uh, Shaq, Lawson, somebody might be hot, Vaughn, so they might get left in for a little more, you know, give them a chance to make some plays. Sometimes the, the team is running a lot of plays fast-paced. is hot like in like the uh, yeah. other week. We might got to kind of move people around more. Uh, and I feel like, it, like I said, it's just really just the pace of the game and how things are going and who's, who's hot and, uh, and who's winded and who's not. Right. You kinda
1: happy to finally be back home? I mean, three of the first four weeks. You guys on are you guys are road travelers. Yeah. Now you finally get a home game again where you know you're gonna have the opportunity to get a crowd behind you yeah. when you're out there on defense. That that I mean let yeah. me just speak to how much that
5: helps you Man. with get off. Yeah, I mean, we, we feed off of it. Obviously, offenses got to go to their silent count, something that they might not be as comfortable with. The offensive tackles might not be getting off the ball as quick as they would if they were at home. So definitely an advantage for us. And our, our fans bring it week in and week out, as you guys <laughs> know. So it's always exciting yeah. playing in front of Bills Mafia. How
0: do you uh, – just getting back to that rotation, how – who calls that? Do uh, you have a set schedule or is it a little feel? Or do the coaches uh, come to you and say, hey, we're going to try this? How's that work?
5: Coach E calls it on sideline before series is, but usually – if you start it, then you're probably not gonna finish it if they get it if they get like a first down or two and then and then it might go back to the people who were uh first in if they get like two two or three first downs or something like that. Right, so it kinda just flows. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well,
1: Greg, listen, thanks for uh popping in and spending some time with us. You go hit the showers, but uh, <laughs> for sure. and good luck for sure. on Sunday, all right. Thank thank you.
5: get that dub. Got to. Thanks,
1: thanks for man. having me. All right, Appreciate that's Greg you. Rousseau joining us here on One Bills Live. We turn now to the post game podium where Josh Allen is meeting with the media.
2: You're facing Kenny Pickett, rookie making his debut. Just tell us a little bit about, you know, your debut on a road for the first time and those experiences. Of. Yeah,
4: um, I mean, my first road experience is Baltimore, but my first road start was, I believe it was Minnesota. Um, but again, my first start at home against the Chargers, um, still still learning left from right, um, trying to understand the game of football a little better and understand you know, what we we're trying to do, what defense was trying to do to me. Um, again, Pittsburgh, you know, obviously their record doesn't dictate how good of a team they are. Um, they had some, some ball hawks in the secondary on defense, up front, they're stout. I you know they're missing they're missing a, a major piece, but they're still being very productive. Um, they're getting to the quarterback, forcing a lot of turnover. So we gotta be on top of our game, uh, making sure that, you know, we're sticking to our base rules and trying to put our best foot forward, um, obviously in protection and in our game plan. Whether it's running or passing the ball we just got to go out there and execute and, and try to try to win a football game
1: the you've faced the Steelers in your career uh, Mike's been the whole time Mike Tomlin that is how much have they changed defensively or do they rely on their same basic defensive principles I,
4: I think last year they, they switched it up obviously we played them first game of the year um you know expecting them to do something they they didn't really do it they've been known for for blitzing, and they're um you know Mike Tomlin he's one of the the best coaches in the league, and he's always got you know his team ready to play football games. Last year they switched it up on us and uh, gave us something we we hadn't really seen, didn't really practice practice for. Um, you know we had to had to make some adjustments in the game, but then uh, it was a little too late. So again, just trying to the, go with the flow of the game, understand what they're trying to do. Um, at the end of the day, do us try to execute the best we can. Um, yeah, that's you know it's the same message every week and. Um, but again, this this is a really good football team, and um, we can't take them, you know, any different than we take any other team. Yeah, I think of the catch Steph made on that drive starter in the third quarter. The yeah, the deep out. Steph yeah, it was me. it was an unbelievable catch. I, as soon as it left my hand, you know, I had a little, I got a little too wide in the pocket there and put myself in a in an uncomfortable situation throwing the ball. But um, right when it left my hands, I just I kind of murmured under my breath like, you know, dang it, like I missed him. Um, but for him to Gain the ground and, and stick his hands out and make that catch, given the conditions, it was it was unbelievable. Really, really helped us on that drive and helped us moving forward. Again, just trying to move the chain, skipping third downs. Um, but can't really expect anything else from from Steph. You know, he's he is who he is, and um, you know we need him to be that guy. around like last year. You know, outside right, outside left slot, right slot, just. The, um, is that something, what do you think of his versatility to win, whether he's outside the numbers, cover one, cover three, doesn't, you know, right slot, left slot. I mean, it's hard for a defense to get a fix on him. Yeah, think I think him? it's just it's harder to game plan. Um, again, when he's, when he's playing in the slot and he's playing outside, um, you know, if, if you want to switch it up and do like a, a zone look and play man out of it and now you're matching up a safety on him um, or you're bringing it in. A guy that's usually playing on the outside, and now he's got to play both sides of the field when he's you know at the slot. Now he can go left or right, and um, just putting guys in uncomfortable situations. Um, but again, it's it's more power to him that he can do that, and allows us to be you know different, it allows us to be multiple, and show different looks and run different concepts. Um, so it's it's a huge advantage for us, and you know we got to continue to utilize it.
0: It's been a bit of a slow start for James Cook here as a leader as a captain. Do you say anything? Do anything to? Just kind of encourage him and let him know that, hey, there's going to be a time when we need you. Yeah, I
4: mean, he he knows that. He, he understands, you know, what we expect out of him, what we, you know, what, what we know we're going to get out of him. You um, we're four games into the season, his rookie season. Um, there's no need to, to really say anything. You know, he's he's going about his business and doing things the right way, um, continuing to dive into the playbook. And, you know, when his number is going to be called, um, you know, he'll be ready for it. I know. Um, it's not the start that he probably would have wanted for himself um, but' we've got, we've got two other guys there Zach and Zach and Motor that are playing really well too and um, they do things the right way so them them continuing to you know coach up James as well as you know having a guy like Duke in the building um, who's played in a lot of games and you know I just I appreciate what he's done for that that running back room and the leadership qualities that he's been showing. Um, it's been special not too often you get a guy that you know he's not on the active roster but still continuing to take, that role upon himself and, and, you know, have a role and, and help this team win football games. So it's been really cool to see. You guys
1: have started started 58 players. That's the second most in the NFL. What does that say about this team to still be three and one knowing that you guys have been able to shuffle
0: guys in now?
4: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, the trust that we have in the guys in, 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 the locker room and on our roster, um, kudos to, to our front office and our coaching staff for having these guys ready to play. And, Ultimately, just, just trying to jail and mesh with these guys. Also, um, you, you want to be as consistent as you can in that aspect, but injuries happen, uh, things happen. Um, that's, that's the nature of the business that we play in. Um, but Again, guys have been able to step up, and um, when you've got good leaders on the team that we have, you know, offense, defense, and special teams, just bringing those guys along and you know, letting them know we got, we got each other's backs, um, going out there and playing free and trusting the game plan and, and just playing uh, without a conscience.
2: You um as far as the defense concerned, Coach Flores, you know, you played against him twice down in Miami now, he's on that Steelers staff. Have you seen anything in film that kind of reminds you of a coach Flores defense, I
4: think? Um, I think it's a little bit of a different scheme. Um but again I think especially with Minka back there, like again, like the things that they're able to do in be interchangeable, um him kind of being nosy and some of these underneath routes, um but he's on the same page with the corner. Like as soon as he dives down, that corner's going over the top and trying to fill that void where he's coming from. Um, and he's been able to, you know, force a lot of mistakes and interceptions that way. Um, you know, they are a they're a high effort, high intensity defense that you know they've got they've got a lot of motors, especially on that front. Um, and I know I talked about that earlier, but um, you know them being as productive as they've been. Um, you know that that speaks a lot about the guys in, in that locker room too, and their coaching staff having those guys ready to go each and every week. Um, and again, it's it's the Pittsburgh Steelers we're talking about. Like again, they they've they've been a, a very good team for a very long time, and it's no secret to why the, the coaching staff that they've gotten placed there and continuing to develop those players. It's been uh, you know it's it's not fun to watch on defense. You know, knowing how multiple and how many different things they can do and show you. So, uh, like I said, just making sure you know we'll get in film work this week and try to get all of our keys and uh, trust our base rules at the end of the day.
1: I want to go back to last week for a second, and the pick by Jordan sets you up at the 20 mm-hmm. instead of the two. So, like, just in general, how much does that open your playbook and allow you to do some things, especially late in the game when you have to try and protect and drive down for a win? Yeah,
4: philosophically, it was, it's a huge difference, you know, from the three-yard line, you're backed up, and really backed up situational football says, like, you need one first down to be able to flip the field, you know, in, in terms of a punt, you know, um, it's 17 extra, it's on, you know, a first down, almost two first downs worth of of yards there that now we don't have to deal with backed up where you've got the, the end line behind you, safety, a hold, whatever the case may be. Now you can, it, it really opened up our entire playbook, allowing us to do whatever we wanted to call. We still had three timeouts, so we, we could still run the ball if we wanted to, um, check downs were viable. Um, yeah, it's a it was a huge play, and again, seeing the effort that that Poe had on that play, and it's again no secret why he was AFC Defensive Player of the Week, or Player of the Week, um, because of just the effort and the attitude that he had, and the mindset that he had. You know, in the last couple weeks, um, you know, being kind of battling some injuries here or there, um, but being being our captain when we needed him the most.
1: A good answer there by Josh Allen addressing Jordan Poyer and his naming of. AFC defensive player of the week. We have to take a break here. Steve and I back to wrap things up on a Wednesday here on one bills live. Stay tuned. All right. Welcome back to one bills live. Chris Brown, Steve task with you. Have you ever put stuff out at the curb hoping someone will take it? Just some junk that you just don't want anymore, cluttering up your garage or your shed? Steve had such an
0: experience this week. So I got some stuff. Everybody does it, right? You accumulate junk in your stuff. So we get a chance to clean the garage last week. And I drag a pile of... And I'm saying it's junk. It's junk. It's like a couple of camp chairs, an old broom, an old mower one of the mowers that doesn't have a motor it's one yeah. of those real mowers right the spinners it's just it's just junk absolute junk and there was a thing that uh, there was a cart that i actually made with with caster wheels just the kind that spin around all you know okay four of those and it was just a little platform and it's thrown in so i put it down there and i leave it knowing that somebody's gonna take it because they always do right i get a text from it's a picture of the back of a pickup and all that stuff's in the back of the pickup From my son. (laughs) My son picked up the junk I left at my curb and took it to his house. I was like, no, you're better than that. Were you raised by wolves? One man's
1: trash is another man's treasure.
0: my own flesh and blood.
1: Talk about keeping it all in the family.
0: Off the side of the road. Can't get rid of junk. I, I'm. Well, think of it this way. You take can, me now, Lord. You can go visit take it. Take me now. You can go
1: visit it at his house. It'll be great. And I'll see it.
0: It'll be Oh, there. you'll see it. It'll it's be there. It's unbelievable.
1: Big show oh. coming your way tomorrow. We got NFL on CBS sideline reporter Tracy Wolfson, who's doing the game on Sunday with Jim Nance and Tony Romo, Field Yates, and Thurman Thomas. We'll see you at one tomorrow.